Well, we're going to jump into our sermon uh, for today. This is a continuation of our sermon series called Project Hope. And uh, this is going to be a sermon series that we're going on for a little while. We've been talking about just what hope is. We talked about the difference between hope as an emotion and hope as a virtue. And as followers of Christ and as believers of Christ, that we want to make sure that we're living in, with an understanding of hope as a virtue. That even when moments... There's no reason for us to hope that we still can walk out and continue to hope. Because our hope is not based on our feelings, our hope is not based on our circumstances, but our hope is based on the person, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. And as scripture tells us in Hebrews that he's an anchor to our soul, that no matter what's taking place, no matter what's present, that Jesus keeps us, he protects us, he blesses us, and he provides for us a confidence, a security, and a certainty that is Bigger and beyond anything that we could obtain in this world. Then we've been moving through just the past couple weeks and talking about as we talk about hope, it's impossible to talk about hope without talking about the reality, this thing that springs from having this confident hope, which is generosity. When you understand what you've been given, you've been given something amazing. You can't help but just take that and just want to give it to the world. And so we've been talking about a hope for generosity the past couple weeks, and Pastor Fred's been carrying the bulk of that um, load there and responsibility just in teaching that. He's been doing a fantastic job of just sharing with us um, his thoughts and and, and just views on this and and what we are doing as a church and how we want to make sure that we're leading out and giving as a church. And so we've been looking through different things, and we, we talked about how there is a portion that we should be giving, that there is something that when you go through Scripture, you can see that there is a portion that we should set aside um, that we are giving to God as our first and as our best, and that is a tithe. And so Pastor Fred talked about that, walked through that portion, the responsibility of that, what that looks like, how that something that carries on uh, throughout scripture that there is much discussion today about whether or not we should still as Christians tithe or not and what that looks like and and all of those things and 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 really when you go through and you look at scripture there's some things that were in the Old Testament that are no longer in the New Testament so they're they're obsolete or there's some things that have remained they are still there and there's some things that have been elevated and we believe as you look at scripture Jesus didn't say hey you know what you don't need to give but you need to give more than you ever could imagine right and that through me you have the potential and opportunity to give more than you can imagine so it's something that's been elevated we talked about the consequence that there's a consequence and we looked at Malachi that that if if we're giving that we're stepping into what God promises us as a blessing that he says hey test me on this that he sets aside uh, everything else in scripture we are not supposed to test God in but in this one God says test me you know that I promise you that I will bless you I will protect you that I will keep you that that I will be able to provide for you if you make sure that you're setting aside that you're giving to me and that you're taking all that I've blessed you with and all I've given you you recognize that it's from me and you give it to me you walk in God's favor but when you refuse to do that that you step outside of his favor and there's a consequence to that and that really that is living a cursed life that you're living a life that's outside of God and his presence and the freedom that we find in him. That that consequence, that curse, is, as we joked around last week, you know, is, is not God's up there just sitting there just going, oh, you messed up, so here you go. You're going to be bald, sucker, right? That's not God, right? That's not what he's doing. But he is going to go, oh, it's something I deal with, okay? I'm still, still emotionally scarred about that. I, I want hair at some point, but maybe heaven. All right, but you're in this place where you're outside of God's will, you're outside of his grace, you're outside of his favor. 
And so you're walking outside of what God has for you. You're walking outside of what God wants for you. And that right there, that's a dangerous place to be. Scripture actually refers to that as the actual fear of God, that we, we should be as followers of Christ, that when we're walking outside of God's favor and grace, that should be a place where we're just like, ah, I'm terrified, right? And that's what the fear of God is, is that we're constantly always wanting to walk in his grace and his will for us. And so there is a portion, there is a consequence. And then last week what we did is just talked about the reality of giving. And, and maybe you're new to the church today and you're just like, great, I picked the perfect Sunday to come to church is when they talked about money. You did. Because when we talk about money in the church, what we're not talking about is money. What we're talking about when, we, when we're talking about money, we're talking about giving, what we're talking about is really is about heart and understanding of God. See, when we talk about money, a lot of times we get caught up in is what we have or we don't have, right? And, and we, we get caught up in this idea of we always want more and we always need more. Who's with me on that, right? No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, you always want more and you always need more. And, and so we get caught up and that's our idea and that's our understanding of money. But God's economy works totally different. See, God's economy is not so much worried about what you have or what you don't have when it comes to money, but it's about what you have and what you need and what you have found in a person which is Jesus. And that when you find yourself fully sustained and fully satisfied and, and fully uh, just at rest and secure in Jesus Christ. And that gift and, and, and that abundance of richness of who he is. That money is no longer an issue for you but that money becomes a way for you to become aware of God's presence. That money becomes a, a way for you to be aware of the opportunities that God's given you. That money becomes a way for you to be aware of your trust in God and your faith in what he's given you to do. And so money for Michelle and I, and I shared a little bit of a personal story, money for me and Michelle, the discussion of tithing and giving, it, it's never really been a discussion for us about receiving, but it's been a discussion about our awareness of God and our circumstance. And so for me, when, when it comes to tithing and giving, it's never been something that's off the table. It's always something that starts and is the driving force behind how we manage our finances. If I'm not going to have food to eat, then I'm not going to have money, I mean money for food to eat. That doesn't mean anything for me because I'm just like, you know what, the food's going to come some way, somehow, right? But when it comes to what has God given me an opportunity to be a part of, I want to make sure that I'm investing in that because I believe that is the seed that produces true fruit and blessing. And that when I'm giving to what God's doing, when I'm giving to what he's a part of, when I'm giving to what God's focused on, that I'm going to receive something from that that's bigger than money itself. Yep. Are you guys with me on that? So that, that's what we talked about last week. And we looked at the life of Jesus and we looked at, um, which is always a good thing to do and hopefully we do every week, right, is that we look at Jesus, right? And so what we looked at was his, the temptations of Christ. And, and when you look at money, uh, when you look at money, the things that can trap us and keep us uh, from walking out with this understanding of, of, of how to handle money and finances the way God would love us to, is you can look at these temptations and we can either get distracted as the first temptation that Satan came to Jesus with was to tempt him with his wants and his desires. That our immediate wants and our desires can so dominate our world and so dominate everything that we're focused on that we get trapped in that world, that we get trapped in that. And so if we have our wants and desires met, then there's a sense of security that we find. 
But the moment our wants and desires are not provided for, everything just starts falling apart. And we're just like, why, God? Why? Why do you hate me? You know, and we're just like just sitting there in this moment where we're just like in despair because our wants and desires are being met or not being met. And then if, if, if that is not what trips us up, then the next thing is our ambitions, is that we always want more. We want to be in a bigger place. We want to be, in, in, uh, be noticed more in life. We want to be able to do more in life. Even if there's the best of intentions, it's to do good things, but our ambition is what we find security in. Our, our, how we're recognized or, or our level of affluence in this world becomes the thing that we find security in. And that can be a huge temptation for us, and that can be a place that robs us of the security that we're supposed to have in Christ that we find in that instead. And lastly, if that's not what trips you up, then it's your ability to trust in God. See, Satan came to Jesus and he's just like, hey, listen, here's what we can do, all right? So like you don't have to do any of this stuff, right? Just, I mean, look, look like if you just go and you just kind of like throw your life out there and you just call it to the angels and jump off this, they're going to save you. What he was doing was tempting him saying, hey, listen, God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Why don't you throw that away? And just take it and put it all in your hands. Because you can manage this way better. And you've got the power and the control to manage this way better than God does. So he was tempting him and testing him on his ability to trust God. And so when it comes to our finances, we can find ourselves in a place that we look at it and say, this doesn't make sense. Or I don't know if I can do this. But God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with the purpose of my life. I trust you with the destiny that you have for me way more than I trust myself. See, when it comes to giving, it's not about, okay, what is God going to do with this 10% that I give him? When it comes to giving, it's when I faithfully give this 10%, what is possible through God with this 90%? It's that way of living. It's that way of looking. It's changing a perspective of saying that if I'm worried about my money, that what I'm doing is, is I'm looking here. Right? But if I'm worried about what God has for me and I'm worried about his kingdom and I'm trusting him, then my eyes are up there. And guess what? My perspective is way bigger. What is possible is way more open, right? God is wanting us and helping us to shift our perspective when we change how we view money. And so you're just like, okay, this is all good. This is great. I'm glad to hear this. It sounds great, but you're a pastor and all those different things. And you know what? I know you're going to preach this. And listen, here's the deal on that. Pastor Fred and I, we both have a similar story, and I love this. There's so many things that we connect on. Is Whether we've been on staff at a church or not, our view has not changed on giving. Whether, whether I've been on staff or whether I've just been at a church attending, whether I've been in leadership of the church or not, whether I was in college as a student, as a new believer in Christ, this is something that has always been a guiding force for me. Because for me, money becomes a place of security. And I don't want my security to be in what I can provide for myself or what somebody else can give me. I want my security to be in Jesus Christ alone. Because when it is, what's possible and what's available to me is way bigger, way more fun, way more adventurous than what I can provide for myself. Amen. So that's where we've been at. Intro is a little bit shorter this week. All right, let's pray real quick. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you, Father, that you've cared for us in such an amazing way. Father, I just pray, Lord, that in the next few moments, Lord, that you just continue to direct and guide this conversation. God, open our eyes to the reality of who you are, what you have for us, 
that you're a God who deeply loves us and deeply cares for us. You're a God who's not just leaving our life to chance. But you're a God who has a deep and personal dream for each one of our lives. God, that through you, we can have an opportunity to make an impact in this world that is beyond our imaginations. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we go through this conversation, that you continue to open my eyes to what you can do. God, decrease what I think I can do and increase my hope in you. God, increase my faith and trust in you. God, help us as a church to be able to move in your goodness and your grace. And God, begin to do things in this church that we never thought were possible. All for the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen. So this weekend, we were getting ready for the Oktoberfest. We were getting ready for the Oktoberfest and um, this last minute things we had to do and get taken care of. And uh, um, I had to um, run to the uh, Sam's Club. All right. Why do we put the in front of things sometimes? But I had to run to Sam's Club. All right, there we go. I had to run to Sam's Club on Friday. And so I was walking through Sam's Club and it was, um, it was around lunchtime. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I tried to plan going to Sam's Club at a mealtime, right? Because if you do, you know what's there, right? The sample carts, right? And before you even start going to what you need in the store, you find all of the sample carts, right? And then we all got this thing where we feel like we have to do something. We have to say something. We have to, oh, how much is that, right? You don't care. You just want to eat it, right? But you're trying to make this person feel better for whatever reason. And so I'm sitting there. I'm walking around. And, like, I didn't see any sample carts. And I'm like, where are the sample carts? They had moved from where they normally were, right? And they were in different places. Like, you tricky little people, right? But you made this fun. And you made this fun. So I'm sitting there. And I'm walking up. And I'm coming behind. Like, there's this booth right here. And I'm coming behind. And I was like, oh, that smell. Oh, that's glorious, right? And I look and I'm like, it really is. And so I go around and I'm just like, I'm like, do you have a sample cart of nothing but bacon? And she's like, I sure do. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. I was like, you have the best booth ever. She goes, tell me about it. She goes, I'm everybody's best friend today. And I was like, for real, you just have bacon just emanating through the, out everywhere right now. And you're the one that gets to give people bacon. That's an awesome job right there, right? I mean, when you get the phone call to do one of those things, and hey, by the way, you know, you're going to be giving away samples of turkey hot dogs. You're like, ah, man, this is going to be a miserable day. Jeez, who wants that? You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, hey, we got a diet supplement drink that we're wanting everybody to try. I, I think I'm sick, right? But, you know, it's like, hey, we want you to sample bacon today. You're like, yes, I will be there early, right? Because who doesn't love bacon? I mean, it was just awesome. So I'm sitting there and I'm just talking and I'm eating my bacon and then grabbing another piece. And we're just talking and laughing or whatever else. And I look and I kid you not, you know what her name is? Hope. Her name is Hope. I was like, that is awesome. I was like, I get bacon and Hope all at Sam's Club. This is great. And she started laughing. And she's like, you know what, though? She's like, she's like sometimes when you got bacon, you don't even need Hope, right? And I was like, that might be true, but how good is it to have both together, right? One of the things I loved about that, and it was just so funny, I was just like, God, you're so cool how you work things out. But one of the things I absolutely loved about the story is, is it because she was passionate about what she had? She was giving it away with a totally different attitude. 
When, when she understood what she had and the influence that it had on people, she looked at it totally different. She didn't look at it like it was a job. She looked at it like it was a massive opportunity. See, her name was Hope, and it made me just go, and just like look at it, and I was like, that's, she had a smile on her face. She was so excited about what she was doing. She's talking to me, and we're just laughing and having a good time. But guess what? As other people go by, she didn't ignore them. She's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. she's just talking to me, right? Bacon, ha, ha, Hope, ha, ha, blah, blah. Hey, don't, get, don't miss your bacon, don't miss your bacon, right? And she's handing out. She's not a single person's going by her where she's not connecting with them and saying, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got, right? And there's not a single person that was going by that wasn't noticing what she had, right, and noticing who she was. Every single person, they were making a comment about the bacon that she had, and they were making a comment about her personality, about her smile, about her appearance. I'm telling you, when you understand what you have, you understand it as a gift that is to be given to people, it changes the way you give it away. The whole point of what we've been talking about when it comes to giving Giving is not this understanding of the money that you have. Giving is about this understanding of the person of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for you. When you see him as a gift, when you see him as everything, when you see him as your source of hope, when you see him as the anchor to your soul, that no matter how jacked up and, and messed up your situation is, that you can find joy and peace in him. When you understand that and you've experienced that, you understand you have something to give for Far greater than just a few bucks here and there. You understand that you have an opportunity to give life. And one of the ways to give life is through the money that you've been given. It's just an awareness of who God is. And it's an awareness of opportunities that he gives you. And it's an awareness of the trust and faith that you have in God. It helps you to see the life that he's called you to. The life that he has for you. And how you're walking that out as you give. It's good stuff. That was my second intro. Okay, so here we go. You guys still with me? Yeah. All right, good. You all want bacon now, don't you? <laughs> all right, so here. There's um, a couple things we're going to talk about today. Three things we're going to talk about when it comes to giving. First one is, we hit on this last week. Just want to spend a little bit just more time on it. But when it comes to giving, it should be a priority. So there's a portion there's a consequence, and there's a priority. Here at the church, one of the things that we talk about as a church is, is that each one of us, we're on a journey in our relationship with God, and you're in different places each and every one of us are. No matter how long you've been serving God, no matter how long you've been a part of a church, there's, there's this reality that there's more to know about God than we do know now. So Pastor Fred, he's the wisest man in the room right now. He's the most godly and holy person in the room. There's still so much more that he cannot even comprehend about who God is and what God has for him that he still has to learn. Each one of us, we're in that place. So what we talk about as a church is, is we talk about this idea of priority percentage giving. That wherever you are in your walk with God, we're, we, we believe that a, a tithe is a tenth. So a tenth of whatever you make, that you give that to God. But maybe you're at a place and you say, I don't know about this whole thing. I don't know about this God thing. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm trying to figure out this giving thing. And you just feel like God's laid on your heart just to do something. And that something maybe is 2%. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no expectation other than you to give what you feel like you're supposed to give. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians today. And if you turn with me there, you can see in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 6 through 8, 
Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and, and he's talking to this church in Corinth about this church in Macedonia. All right, so this church in Corinth, they got deep pockets, right? This church in Macedonia, they don't even really have pockets, right? And Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's just like, dude, this church in Macedonia, it's amazing what they're giving. I mean, these guys are going crazy with their giving, all because they understand who Jesus is, and they're so in love with him, and they want everybody that can have a chance to know Jesus to, man, they're giving like crazy. And you guys, you got some deep pockets, and you're excited about Jesus as well, and you're passionate about giving. I want to encourage you to not lose sight of the impact that you can have through your giving. So he's talking to them, and he says this in verse 6. So we've urged Titus. Titus is the middleman between Paul and this church, Corinth. And so Titus is there, and he's having these conversations. And he says, we've encouraged Titus, who encouraged you, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, sounds great like this church, description of this church, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. As we look at this verse and we think of the idea of the priority, one of the things I just want to lay out there, if you were a follower of Christ and you, you were a part of this church or another church, that when you think about giving, that there is this portion to it. There's this idea of being able to walk in God's blessing or stepping outside of his blessing when it was in the area of giving, when it's the area of money, right? Because it's a heart thing, not a dollar thing. That we look at it and we say, you know what? There should be this priority to what I'm giving. And if you're in a place and you're just like, I just can't figure out the 10%, I want to I just throw out there to you that there is this sense of expectation on God's part that we should be doing something, that we should be contributing something. Here in verse 8 when Paul says, hey, I'm not commanding you to do this. The reason Paul was saying that is because he's like, hey, I don't want this to be some like letter of the law thing. I don't want it to be like you have to do it and if you don't do it. Because that's not what we're talking about. That's not the, the heart and the generosity that God wants from us. God wants this liberality to our giving, to our generosity. That, that There's almost a sense of just like, I just can't stop because I can't stop receiving God's goodness and his love and my awareness of him. And, and I, there's just this liberality to it. And, and that's really what Paul's is saying. But that's only something that we can arrive at. In our own time. It's not something anybody can demand of us, expect of us, or command of us. But Paul is saying, listen, he's like, I'm not commanding you, so that's not this opt-out, like you don't have to give if you don't want to. It's just you should want to. And what you should want to do is based on where you find yourself in God and your journey in God. If you go on in verse 12, it says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have. There's a sense of, I'm wanting to put this priority out there. I'm wanting to make sure that God is first and, and, and the things that he's doing in my life are first and, and the opportunities that he's given me. I want those to increase. I don't want my kingdom to increase. I want his kingdom to increase. And that's the priority. That's, that's this focus on saying, God, I'm putting you first and so what we're saying as a church is just find something that you feel like you can give. 
Work yourself up a little bit. Work yourself up, and maybe it's 2%, you know, and maybe in a couple years it's 6%. Maybe it's 10%. And you know what I say to you if you've been given 10%? Maybe it doesn't stop at 10%. Why not if you look at the rest of this in chapter 9 as well? I think Paul makes a strong argument that as believers in Christ that we should never be focused on a percentage, but be focused on how much can I continue to give to God? And I, I, there's some pastors that I know and, and, and different uh, Christian authors and different people that I know, uh, or I don't know, but I know from afar. Um, and they talk about their journey of giving. There's a couple people I really respect. They give away 90% of their income. 90% of their income. They live off of 10% of what they make. And you're like, you know what, they're 10%, I would gladly take. And I'm with you. I'm with you. But you know what? The reason that they can live that way, they didn't start that principle once they had. See, it's not based on money for them. It was based on wanting to be in a place with God no matter what they had. Wanting to be a part of his kingdom, a part of what he was doing. It was an awareness of God's power. It's awareness of God's faithfulness. It was awareness of God's provision way before they ever had the blessing. And they've continued that out, and they never stopped. They never limited it to anything. And I think there's a huge opportunity for us to see that. See, Paul's saying, listen, I'm, I'm not worried about you giving in, in the sense of, like, are you doing it or not. I'm, I'm saying I want you, I want you to, to explore this. I want you to look into it because once you start giving, you start to understand this reality that Jesus laid out for us, that the greatest commandment that we have is to love God and to love others as ourself. And that when you look at giving differently, when you look at money differently, and you look at it as a way of saying, I want to be a part of your kingdom and a part of what you're doing, and you're looking up to him, then you're saying, God, I'm all yours, and he's saying, I'm all yours. And then he's opened up these opportunities of how you love people, and you start loving people and blessing people with liberality and generosity and kindness, and you're just going through Starbucks, and you're like, I want to pay for the three cars behind me, and you're at the gas station, and you're like, you know what, go ahead and fill their tank up as well, and you're at Taco Bell, and you're like, you know what, they really shouldn't have to pay for it and eat that, so I'm going to pay for it, you know, and, and you're just like doing these different things, you're just, that's just the way you're living in your church, and you're talking to somebody, and they're just like, man, this has happened in my life, this has happened in my situation, you're saying, you know what, that's so cool, I'm going to pray with you. Can I pray with you? And then you just send them, hey, you know what? I'm going to find somebody to get their address. And you just send them something just to help take care of that stuff. That is just a sense of, I just, what God is doing is so much bigger than what I have. And I just want to be a part of that. And Paul's just saying, that's the type of love I want you to live in. That's the type of love I want you to understand. Because when you understand that type of love, and that type of love is a part of your life, then our property, whatever is valuable to us, Whatever those different types of things are, those things no longer confer happiness and salvation on us. Because our need no longer is when what we have, our need is completely met in Jesus. Man, and when that's been found and when that's been had, man, money is no longer this need. Money is something we have to give. Man, and, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. So I shared a story with you guys uh, for Michelle and I that we went through in 2006 where I had this crazy uh, situation happen, sickness. I'm not going to get into all to it because you all know that was a really short story. And so um, in 2006, ending up in the hospital, hundreds of thousands of debt, um, brain surgery with not a cool enough scar to prove it. So that was our situation. And God has helped us to walk through that in such an incredible way. 
I share that with you because not only was it devastating to find yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and we've paid off the doctors and the medical, but then we still got credit card stuff that we're dealing with from that in 2006. So, as devastating as the money issue was, there was all kinds of personal things that came along in that situation as well. My boss at the time looked at me and said, I'm so glad that this happened before you got your insurance because I can't imagine our premiums would be this year coming up if it that's I mean that is devastating right when your boss says that to you I mean there was brokenness on the inside because there was relationships that were fractured there, there was a sense of I should trust this person I should I should be able to have something because of relationship with this person that was severed destroyed stomped on and thrown in a fire right there was no care from, from people in that. There was, there was, I mean, there were so many situations I, I will not ever go into publicly that happened that were far more devastating than the amount of debt that was being racked up. And in a devastating situation that that was, Michelle's and I, security in Christ was never shaken. Our happiness, though it was hard to find at times, was never lost. We lost, we had, we were building a townhouse, we had a nice car that was paid for, we had no debt, we just paid off our college debt, I mean, God had blessed us with the sale of our home in Florida, and we were building this home in North Carolina, we are so excited, and everything was great, we are you know, just had this little baby boy, he was finally sleeping, and we liked him again, and it was great, and you know, like all this different stuff was happening, and then all of this happened, we lost everything, in that moment, our feelings didn't drive us in our relationship with God. My circumstances and what I had and didn't have didn't change my view of God, and it didn't change the opportunity that God was giving me. It did knock me on my back, and there was an element of it that was very devastating to us. But in that moment, I didn't lose hope. In that moment, I didn't lose an ability to say God has a plan and a purpose. In that moment, I honestly became that much more aware of God's plan and purpose. And so the conversation that we're trying to have with each other in this discussion, it's not about are you giving a percentage, are you giving an amount, are you giving it all? It's about what's your awareness of who God is? What's your awareness of what God's done through Jesus Christ? What's your awareness of what he can do for you? What's your awareness of the trust and faith that you have in him? Because if you're sitting there and you're looking at your circumstances and situations, and that's driving everything, your feelings are driving everything, that's a desperate place to be, and it's got an end point to it. And when you reach that end point, it's going to be bad. But there's a place and there's a, where you can be where you go through the circumstances and situations and you find yourself with joy in the most devastating situations. But you find yourself on a road that doesn't just end with despair and questions, but it ends with blessing and grace and fullness and abundance and understanding and more purpose than you could ever understand. I tell you, when we're talking about money, we're talking about giving, it's not about dollars and cents. It's about Jesus and what he's given us and, and how we receive that and what we know about that shows our love for him and our love for others. And it shows us the life that's available in him. When we view money as something to control, we lose a sense of that bigness, that abundance. But when we view money as something that he's given us and it's just his to give back to him and that we're just playing Monopoly with God, right, and we're just kind of having fun, it gives us a sense of freedom and joy just to be a part of the life that he's called us to. So when it comes to giving, it should be a priority. 
I told you that was going to be quick and I lied to you, so these two are going to be quick. When it comes to giving, there's a place for me to give. Pastor Fred talked about this in depth last week at the Newport News campus, so please go listen to that podcast. does great, great, great job, way better than I would, so I won't even put you through it. But we believe that there is a place to give, and we believe that that should start. The culture of the church here at City Life is, is that we believe the place that you should give is to the church. When it comes to your tithes and your offerings, it should come here, and then it should go from here. That you don't stop with the church, that you should give to other things, that you should care for people in the community at random and liberally, right? They should be given to other organizations that we aren't even a part of, but because they're doing amazing things for the kingdom of God, you should be given. But it should start here, and it develops from here. And, and there's Pastor Fred, like I said, did an amazing teaching on it, so please go listen. But here's some things that you can read just for your own study on that. It's Deuteronomy chapter 12, Joshua chapter 21. Then you can see it continued in Acts chapter 5. You want to talk about an awakening in that, it's Acts chapter 5. It's continued in Corinthians. Mother, many other places in the New Testament, you can see that the care for the ministry that's provided by a church is continued all the way through the New Testament. So that's not something that was gone. It was something that was continued. And you can see how that is present in there, that, that, that we together collectively as a church can care for the poor better than we can on our own. That we can care for those in our church together, those that God has brought together as a church family. We can provide and care for each other deeper, more intimately, more, more authentically together than we can alone. That we can find this sense of connectedness in, 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 in this life that God has for us together as a church. When we're giving, we're saying, I want this church to be thriving in what God has for us, not just myself. That when we come together, that we can do more for evangelism and missions together than we can on our own. Are you guys tracking with me on that? That when it comes together in here, that God can do so much more with it out there. So here's something I do want to communicate because this just, it's good for you to hear in person because I know you guys, not all are going to listen to the podcast, but because we can see those numbers. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20, Paul says this. He says, we're traveling get together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. There's a sense of responsibility on our side as a church, and as leaders of the church, of how we manage our money. That there is, and there should be on your side, okay, so you're talking about money, you're talking about, I'm a little skeptical of churches, right? I've seen this thing botched, I've seen this thing mishandled pretty drastically, right? As a church, we do what we can. We, we've got a, a finance life team that is set up. That finance life team is not made up of staff members of the church. It's made up of, of, of trustees that have been elected by the church, that they're the ones that are the driving force of how our, man, our money is managed, where the money is going. They're giving their approval. It's not me just sitting in a room. It's not Pastor Fred and I and Juice just getting together and talking and saying, oh, let's just do It's this board or this, this group, this, this team that's together that's been elected upon that are making decisions for the church. Pastor Fred's in that room to help cast vision for it, but they're the ones that are holding him and the church accountable to how we spend the money. They're the ones that are responsible for that. We are not. Does that make sense? So we've got that team. And I think it's just good. It's practical, but it's good for you to hear. What, what, how does this work? How does this go? So we've got this team, and that's how that's managed. In our business meetings, we come together to business meetings. It's unique to this church. I've been on church at multiple, I've been on staff at multiple churches and telling you this is unique. It's different. We have wide open books. We have at our business meeting, we don't just hand you a little postcard that says here's what their income was and here's what the expense was and here's a couple fun little line items. 
We actually go through, you can look at the nitty-gritty of everything that comes in and everything that goes out, and you can ask any question that you want to. The longest part of our business meeting is open the floor to people say, how's the money being spent? Is the impact that's being had on the kingdom of God what it should be? Is this going to the appropriate places? There's a sense of accountability. There's a sense that, hey, we're on this journey together with something that's been entrusted to us, and we want to make sure that we're doing that right. We want to guard our own hearts. We want to guard the hearts of the church. And ultimately, we want to make sure that the heart of God is seen and displayed in everything that we do. So there's an accountability with that. We have open books at any point. If you just say, hey, you're a member of this church, and you say, hey, I just want to know what's going on. Where's the money going? You give us a call, right? You can go talk to Elise, and you just open up the books, right? And just go through and look through it, right? So there's a sense of openness. There's a sense of awareness. And so it starts here, that when we come together, we understand that there's this portion that we should be given, and, and that portion can be based wherever you are. At some point, you should reach the sense that you're just doing as much as you possibly can, right? There's this priority to it, that I want to be doing this. I want to be giving this. So that, you, you, that there's a sense of God's called me to be a part of this church. And when I have this understanding of generosity in the church, the church can be as generous as God's called it to be. The church can be a place that's seen as a beacon of light because it's bigger than just an individual, right? So when we come to collectively together to screen Jesus, and we do that with almost an abandonment of any resource, whether it's energy or money or any of those things, and we say, I want it all for the glory of Christ, that there's something amazing that can happen in that. All right, lastly is this. When it comes to giving, there's an attitude that I should give with. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, I already read this, but it's worth reading again. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Jump over on a page, chapter 9, verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. If the worship team can go ahead and come up at this time. Hey, come on, so we're talking about money, and I'm ending early today. It's a sense of accountability and generosity there, right? <laughs> Mark chapter 12, Jesus is talking about the, the poor widow. Talking about how she had nothing to give, but she gave everything she had. There's a sense God cares so much more about what's going on in your heart than about the dollars and cents that you're throwing into the plate. Bucket, basket, whatever we happen to have. God cares more about where you are and your understanding of what he's given you than he cares about what you're willing to put in the plate. He cares so much more about who you are and your understanding of, of, of this life, this abundant, this free life that you have in Jesus Christ. Your understanding of that than he does about how much is coming out of your checking account every week or every month or however you do it. When it comes to giving, there's an attitude that I should give with. One of my favorite pastors, Judd Wilhite, he says this, just tweeted this the other day. He says, enjoy whatever you have under God's authority and leadership in your life. And invite God into every decision you make. That's real freedom. That's real freedom. Hey, listen, church. I I told you last week, and Pastor Fred shared this with you. We're passionate to talk about this. Because this, this, this subject, when it comes to money, we can all be honest about it, right? When it comes to money, money matters. I mean, if you have money... 
there's so much more that you can just feel in a sense of just peace and all of those things. If you don't have it, that's a, that can be a difficult place as well. What we're saying is, is that that's just not, that's not the life that God's called us to. That, that, our, that our feelings, that our, our, our joy, that all be based on what we have in this moment now. But that, that, that what we find hope in and what we find joy in is not the money that we have or the possessions that we have or the relationships that we have or the amount of time that we have, whatever resource it may be. But that we find it in something that's eternal, in something that is locked in, something that is never changing, something that has been the same forever and ever and will always be the same. And that when we dive deeper and deeper into that, we don't find limitations and we don't find less, but we find more and more and more. And the more we dig into it and the more we go into it, the more that we find in a sense of just that's the abundance of God. Does that mean that when you give, you're going to get, you know, you give $1,000, so you're going to get $10,000? That would be awesome, and I hope that happens to you, right? I hope it happens to me, right? I pray every time, I'm 50 bucks, man, that'd be awesome, it's 500. Guess what? It usually doesn't. But there's a sense, though, I don't find it always an abundance of wealth when I do that, but every single time, I find an abundance of joy and I find an abundance of peace. And just like I said last week, I've never, never, never been without. As long as I've been walking with Christ, I have never been without as devastating as it's been. And the crazy thing is, as fun as it is, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Guess what? I've never had $100,000 of income and I've paid off this ridiculous amount of debt because of God's provision. I can't even honestly tell you how it all happened. There is a sense that God does provide, right? For you financially. But your provision of his, in finances is not what you find security in. You find provision in him and the peace that you have in Christ in the moments, right? You find peace and security and hope in him as the anchor of your soul. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't even have a relationship with God, and I promise you still, I feel like this is the worst Sunday that I could have ever showed up on. I'm telling you, this conversation is not about money. This conversation is about is a source of hope. That, that hope is a driving force of purpose and an understanding of the destiny that God wants you to fulfill. That he has a purpose and a dream for each and every one of us. And I'm telling you, because I've tried it every other way, you cannot understand that purpose. You can't understand how big that dream is. You cannot understand that destiny that God wants you to fulfill. And no matter what you try, you just continue to find emptiness in everything else you try. But when you try it in Jesus, you find just such satisfaction and joy, no matter what everything else looks like. So today, if you're looking for hope and you're looking for joy and you're looking for the sense of understanding and purpose, it's found in Jesus Christ. And when you find him and you give your all to him, he opens doors wide open for you. So if you will stand with me this morning. Just want us to sing a song. I'm gonna come up and close this out with a scripture. But wherever you are, I just want you to say, God, open. I just want you to say, God, I'm open to what you have for me. 
I want to run into the doors that you have. God, I want to be generous, whether I've got little or whether I've got ton. I want to understand how liberally and how generously you've given to me, and I want my response to be the same. And God, if I don't know you, God, if I have no, no relationship with you, today I want to make a vow of devotion with you. And God, I want to open myself up and say, how generous are you, God? Are you there? God, can you give me what I need? Because I'm willing and I'm ready to receive. If you find yourself in that place today, just say, God, I want to step into life that I can have in Jesus. And I want to make a vow to follow him in everything I do. Let's sing.